fear thou not. His plan for us is fear thou not. For I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. Don't be confused. Don't, don't be, don't wonder, does God still think about you? Don't, be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. His person, he said, I'm present with you, and my performance in your life is I'm going to do things in your life to keep the fear and to keep the dismay out. He said, I'm going to strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Father, we love you today. Pray you'd help us to preach in the power of the Holy Ghost. Give us liberty and Lord, forgive us and the multitude of failures. And Lord, I... Stand behind here realizing, Lord, it is by grace that you've saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to your grace which was given us before the foundation of the world. We know, God, that you knew everything that was going to go on today to bring us to this day, and we just pray you take over, take the reins of the service, have your way. Father, we love you, we need you, and we plead the blood over everything that's done and said, and pray, God, that you get glory and Lord, when we leave here, I pray we leave here, pray souls will be fed and sinners will be touched, saints will be encouraged, but Lord, most of all, that you be exalted in your word, Lord, would feed our souls, encourage our hearts, and help us, Lord, to in Jesus' name, to do all that you'd have us to do. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. The word of God says in... Isaiah chapter number 41, be not dismayed, fear thou not. And then he tells us why, he said, for I am thy God, I will strengthen thee, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Have you ever felt like there was times in your life when you didn't have the strength to go on? Have you ever felt like there was a time in your life when you needed help and you needed it now, but you didn't feel like anybody could help you? Have you ever felt like there was times that you just felt like you didn't have the strength mentally, emotionally, not even physically, just mentally, emotionally, spiritually, that you were going to fall? And he said, don't be fearful, don't be dismayed, don't be confused, don't feel left out, don't think like I forgot you, because I will still strengthen thee, I will help thee, and when you feel like you're going to fall, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. I want to look at today for Lord to help me on making a trade, making a trade. I, 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 there's two different ways to look at it, and I want us to look at it, first of all, just by way of introduction. I want to give you a couple of illustrations. Uh, Thomas Watson was an old Puritan writer. He's a great writer, wrote a lot of books, a great man of God. He talked about trading service for sin. Not, not Most people in here will not have any fault that when you get saved, that you, stay, you get on fire and you run laps, man, you testify, you brag on God. 
But what happens is sometimes as you begin to serve God sincerely, you serve God sweetly, you serve God with a fire in your heart, and and so many things begin to happen in your life, circumstances, situations, that you almost get to the place that you're ready to trade your service for God for sin. And Thomas Watson said that that is the danger. He said, don't trade your service for sin. Sin is such a trade that whoever follows it is sure to break apart. Achan traded his service for God. He was a soldier. He was a servant. He was serving God. They were having a victory. I mean, the walls of Jericho came down. This was an impenetrable force that stood before them, an obstacle that prevented them from inheriting all the blessings that God had for them in Canaan. And God matched the walls down into the sand. They walked straight ahead, every one of them, except Rahab. That's the first skyscraper ever invented. And they walked straight ahead, straight into it. And the first thing he did was trade his service for sin. What did that wedge of gold get him? It didn't get him anything but caused his own life to be clothed asunder from God, brought judgment upon his family, and it not only affected him, but it affected all the children of Israel. He lost his life. His kids lost his life because he saw the sin that might have brought pleasure. He never spent the gold, never wore the garment. What did it gain him? It didn't gain him nothing but being broken apart. I think about King Ahaz. King Ahaz was, what did worshiping the gods of Damascus and all their false worship with all their sexual things that went on in the temples and that feeding the flesh, what did that get him? It didn't get him nothing. It ruined his whole family and brought judgment of God upon the whole nation that he was supposed to be king. What did Judas get for his treason? What did he get for those pieces of silver? I'll tell you what he bought with that pieces of silver. Here's what he bought. He bought a rope to go hang himself. Don't trade sin. Sin may first be comical, fun and funny. It may be some fantasy or fantastic thing. But in the end, what first is comical becomes tragical. And what first is fun becomes fatal. And so Thomas Watson was saying, when you trade, don't trade your servant for God, for sin. It'll always be a downfall. But I'm, I'm thinking about it on the other side today. Is where I want to I deal with on a, maybe a lighter note. I got to thinking about making a trade. Now we can sit here and talk about some of you guys are traders. Anytime I trade, I always lose. I, I'm not a good trader. I, I always lose. I, I don't know. I'll think I'm winning and I get to the house and find out how sorry my trade was. I, I seem like I can never win, but we that are serving God, he has made an opportunity. Now, I'm only, only going to deal with three of them this morning. Maybe, maybe this is all I'll get to this morning. But I want to deal with three things that God says, you need to make a trade. I, I'm, I'm going to give you something better, and you give me that, that that's no good, that nobody wants. And I'm going to give you top dollar for it, and you're going to walk away with a good trade. I, I got to reading this little story about a husband and two months old uh, daughter and this lady who were flying to Kansas to go visit their family. The father had all these points. He flew business class 
And so the, the, which was the granddaddy, so the granddaddy's sitting in business class. His daughter and her husband and the kids are sitting back there in the back and coach as far as you could get to the rear of the plane. He felt bad for it, so he got some pretzels and cookies, walked back there where they were sitting and gave some pretzels and cookies and took the kids up, fed mom and dad, took the kids up with him in first class to let them sit. And a woman elbowed her and said, did you just trade your kids for pretzels and cookies? Now, that would have been a good trade. It would be a good trade if Austin and Jessica would trade Isabella to me and me, me, amen, for some pretzels and cookies. We'd take the trade. That's a good trade. And that's how good God is. God's got a trade for us. And it's going to be pretzels and cookies. What the sweet things of this life that are so, don't even have a nutritional value. Not going to help you. God said, if you'll give me that trash, I'm going to give you something good. I want you to look at it with me in the verse. Look at verse. Let's walk through the text today. Look what the Bible says. He said, fear thou not. Isaiah chapter 40. Remember where we're at, 41 in verse number 10. God said, I want you to trade your fears for fellowship. He said, fear thou not, for I am with thee. We, we don't, when you're with God, it makes everything better. Amen. You can trade the turmoils of tomorrow for triumph today. Hey, don't, don't worry. We fear more about what's going to happen, and some of it never even happens, than just fellowshipping with God. And if we could somehow say, God, and I, I'm, I'm talking to myself today. This message is to me. We've got all these fears in our life. And if we don't watch it, these fears are going to dominate us. And God said he hadn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power and a love and of a sound mind. God wants fear to be gone. Did he not say in the Bible that perfect love casteth out fear? You ever think about, you see a couple together and there seems to be fear that something is gone. That's because perfect love, whenever things perfect, casteth out fear in a relationship with the Lord. He said, when you get saved and give your heart to me, he said, I'm a groom that's going to take care of you. You're my bride. And listen, I don't want you to have any fear. Cast out your fear. I brought you to myself so for fellowship. You remember when he sent the 12 disciples out, the Bible said they went out and they had power. And they was casting out devils. And they was healing the sick. But you know what they, and they was preaching the word of God, performing miracles. You know what he had for them before that? He called 12 that they should be with him. And then he might send them forth to preach and have power to heal sickness and cast out devils. The first thing that God's given him, and is that not the first thing Adam and Eve gave up when they was in the garden? The first thing they gave up, they're hiding instead of trying with God. They could be walking with God in the cool of the day, but instead they're hiding from God. One of the first things that happens when sin comes in your family, in your life, or your individual, don't trade sin, don't trade serving, God for sin. Hey, cast out your fear. God said, I'll take your fear and I'm going to give you a fellowship. Fear thou not. He's talking it personal. He said, he's talking to you. He's talking to me. He said, hey, fear thou not. Did he not say in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 7, casting all your care on him for he cared for you. Hey, casting all that, that's a continual thing. Not casted or cast, but casting. C continue to cast all your care. Man, I, I wish I could practice that. 
I wish I could do that all the time. I wish I could stand up here behind this pulpit and say, I am a carefree guy. But man, I'm telling you what keeps you awake at night, what, what goes on. In, and a lot of the time, can you just think with me just for a minute? Think about Achan. He's got the gold, he's got the silver, he's got the Babylonian garment. He's went back to the tent. He's buried it underneath his cot. He's got it there. He's not wore the garment. He's not spent the silver. He ain't spent the gold. But he's got it. Can you imagine? It's underneath his bed. He's hiding it. Can you imagine how rough his sleep was? A lot of times, a lot of times what troubles us, I know what troubles us is the failures that we have. Hey, God said cast out your fear. Get forgiveness of it. Cast out your fear. Get rid of your fear. Try Make a trade today. Trade all your fear and walk away with fellowship. That's what God wants. Amen. God wants us. Perfect love casteth out fear. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar, for he loveth not. How can you love not your brother whom you have seen, and yet say that you love God whom you have not seen? This commandment we have from him, that he that loveth God loveth his brother also. God wants us to live with love and fellowship, not with fear and fright. Would anybody say amen? Y'all have heard me say it. God's give us that, not the spirit of fear, but a power. Did you know that the first time fear is mentioned in your Bible on, on the biblical principle of interpretation of Scripture, always that first time carries through. You know the first time fear is mentioned in the Bible is in the book of Genesis chapter 9 and verse number 2. And it's referring to man having dominion on the earth and the beast of the earth being in fear of man. But then the second time, so there is a hierarchy when it comes to fear. Sometimes fear is implied upon those who you rule over. I had a natural fear for my dad. I had a natural fear. My dad would have never took a gun and shot me, but I had a fear, a reverential fear, a kind of good fear. But then there is that other fear, that fear that comes from sin and tragedy. And you know what the second time fear is used in the Bible is in the book of Genesis in chapter 15 in verse number 1. And God is speaking to Abraham. And remember what's went on in those previous chapters in chapter 14. Chapter 14 of the book of Genesis is a seed plot to so many truths that happen. In fact, you can see from Genesis 1-1 all the way to about Genesis and chapter number 20 is a seed plot for the whole Bible and all of mankind's history on earth. I mean, it's all right there. And in chapter number 14, there have war and the king of Sodom has come against Lot and come against him and took him captive and took his family captive. Abraham rises up, takes all of his people and delivers them like a servant of God should, brings them out. Hey, man, I bring some from those Cletolamir who had took them captive and king of Sodom has come and he said, hey, I want back what's ours. I want back what's mine. And so he just defeated Cletolamir, brought Sodom where Lot was at and brought him back. And, and, and he's, fixing to, he's fixing to pay tithes to Melchizedek. He's fixing to serve Melchizedek. And Melchizedek says, I am a priest of the Most High God. That's a pre-incarnated appearance of Christ. And at that moment, 
Here's what Melchizedek said. Here's what Jesus said before he's born in Bethlehem. Here's what he said. He said, I'm going to be your high priest. I'm going to be your representation to the Father. That's what he told Abraham. And so in chapter number 15, he says, here's what he says. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision. And you know what he said? Because you have representation. Because you did not, amen, because you did not bow to the king of Sodom, though he tried to hedge you off at the pass, though you, you didn't take a thing the king of Sodom had, but you gave tithes unto me. You served me. And because you served me, I'm representing you to the Father. And here's what he told Abraham. He told Abraham in Genesis 15, 1, after these things the word of the Lord came unto Abraham, saying this, Fear not, Abraham, I'm thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. You know what God said? He's seeking not man's fearfulness. He's seeking man's fellowship. God wants us to be in fellowship with him. He died because sin had broke the fellowship and he died to reach up to God with one hand and man with other, one, other hand and bring us back together in the body of, that was given at the cross of Calvary. We have fellowship because we've been forgiven. God said, I don't want you to fear. Amen. In Isaiah chapter 26 and verse number 3, he said, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he hath trusted in thee. God who helped our mind plays more fear scenarios than we could shake a stick at this morning. We could probably put up and couldn't even fill the wall if everybody wrote five things that brought fear to your heart or mind this week. But boy, the Bible said if you could just keep your fear on him here, I'll keep your fear dedicated to him and given to him. He's going to give you fellowship because he says thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Faith in God, amen. Faith in God over your circumstances will bring fellowship. Fear, fear is always going to bring you away from fellowship but faith in God in the midst of your circumstances will bring fellowship. Did he not say in the book of Psalms, the psalmist was to been living like we're living in 20 and 24 because here's what the psalmist said. He said he is a very present help in a time of need. I don't know how you can get more present than present. You're either present or you're not present. But here's what God said. I'm going to step my presence up a notch. When you get in trouble, I'm a very present help. Here's what I'm saying, church. We could trade our fear today for fellowship. God help us to do that by faith. I want to do that. You remember in Mark chapter number 4 and verse number 4, they're out there in the storm. We'll get to it in just a minute. You remember what he says? You remember what he tells that crowd who's watched him do miracles? Who, who has watched him, watched him open eyes to the Bible? That crowd that had been fellowshipping with Christ, that left preaching Christ, that cast out devils in the name of Christ, that crowd that had spent time with him. And fellow, you remember what he told them? When the storm hit, when the first storm hit, Here's what he said. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Everybody, if we could just be honest for a minute today, we all got faith when everything's good. But faith that's not been tested can't be trusted. And you, hey man, you sit down on this chair. I'd sit down on this chair because I've tested it. I trust to sit in this chair. It's going to hold me up. 
But there's some chairs I've been in, I ain't sitting on them. I ain't sitting on them because I don't trust them. They don't look like they can hold me up. Hey, listen, faith has to be tested. And once it's tested, you can trust it. Are y'all listening to this preacher? Oh, God wants us today to trake all your fear and go back home with fellowship. He wants you to trade your struggles, which brings me to my next one. He wants you to trade, bring your struggles and trade them in for strength. Look what he said in verse number 10. Be not dismayed. Don't feel like you're too weak to handle the load. Don't feel like you're confused and don't know which way to go. All that confusion is the devil. You're holding between two opinions, sin and service. And sometimes you get like a dog running his tail. I mean, I know you're doing something. A dog chasing his tail, he's doing something, and he's going to pass out in a minute, and his tongue's going to be hanging out, but he ain't went nowhere. You can, you can go around in circles and say, man, I'm doing something, I'm doing something, I'm running. I ain't walking, I'm running. I'm, 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 I'm fit. Boy, look at me. I can keep the speed of going, but you ain't going nowhere. And God said, Here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to bring all your struggles and I want you to walk away. Let's do a trade. Give me your struggles and walk out with strength. That's what he said. He said, be not dismayed. For I am thy God, I will strengthen thee. He said, I'm going to help you. He said, I'm going to strengthen you, I'm going to help you. You say, preacher, what kind of struggles are you talking about? Well, maybe somebody in here has got struggles with sin. You know what the Bible said in Romans chapter 6 and verse number 14. Here's what he said. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Sin cannot control you. Can't, sin can you're no longer bound by sin. You're no longer chained down to your sin. Your flesh no longer has the power to force you to do anything. You've been freed from the dominating power of sin because you've trusted God as your Savior. You've repented of your sin. And now that you've been saved by the grace of God, sin shall no longer have dominion over you. He no longer rules your life. The Savior rules your life. Now in Romans chapter number 6, there's two lives. There's the sin-centered life and the Savior-centered life. Man, I'll tell you, I, I need God. I need God to help me every day. You've got to die to the self. We've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we've been raised again to walk in unison life. That's what Romans 6 says. But you're to reckon it dead because it also says that you've got to reckon it dead. So every morning you've got to get up and say, all right, today, Lord, if you'll help me, I'm going to fail. I know I'm going to fail. We'll get there in a minute. I know I'm going to fail. Romans 7, if a great man of God like Paul failed, I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail in my mind. I'm not failing my motives. I'm going to fail in my emotions. I'm going to fail. There's no doubt about it. My hands are going to fail. My mind's going to fail. My eyes are going to fail. My hands are going to fail. Everything about me, my feet's going to fail. I'm going to fail but God if you'll help me I want to reckon this flesh dead I, you know what he said over in one place he said mortify mortify the deeds of the body you know what that, that's a mortician terms that means put it in a casket buried six foot down and reckon it dead put a tombstone up and say shame flesh is dead I'm going to live for Christ that's what God wants us to do he said, Preacher, how in the world can we do that? Hey, listen, if you've got struggles with sin, bring your struggles down and walk away with strength. He said, Preacher, we don't have the strength to resist my struggle of sin. I know you don't. 
But I want to tell you, every man's been tempted. You've been tempted no differently than somebody else has been tempted. Bible says, but he'll make a way of escape. Now, he may, you may deal with it heavy, and you may deal with this sin. It may not bother, but every one of us is going to be, that, hey, don't think that something's happening to us, that somebody else ain't struggling. That's the one thing about testimonies. When you stand up and testify, it'll encourage somebody else because they'll think, man, I struggled too. God helped them. If God helped them, he'll help me because God's no respect a person. He don't care if you got a $1,000 in the bank, nothing in the bank, or a million dollars in the bank. He don't care if you got fire clothing on or rags on. He's going to treat you the same. Amen. He's going to show no difference. And God will do for one. He'll do for the other. And testifying sometimes will help you just to hearing how God brought this person through their struggles. God can bring me through struggles. Amen. Now struggles with sin. God be thanked. Here's what. Here's you were the servants of sin. That's what Romans says. But then it goes on to say, but God be thanked. That though you were the servants of sin, you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine, that gospel message, which was delivered to you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. When you give that stuff to the Lord, you'll walk out with the strength to serve God. A Savior-centered life is our strength. You say, preacher, what other struggles we have? Well, we got struggles in our storms. Brother Frank mentioned it today. In the book of Mark, in the book of Mark, y'all can turn over there with me if you will. In the book of Mark, in chapter number four, it's one of the first storms you see mentioned in the Gospels. And one of these storms in, in the Gospel chronological order of that Jesus, when he called them, and they, here they are, they ain't been serving God long at all. They've got, they've got presence of God in their fellowship. They've went out and had to fire God on them. They preached and proclaimed the truth and cast out devils, performed miracles. Boy, they've come back now. I mean, they're they just getting started. And here they are. First thing, they hit the storm. And the Bible says in Mark chapter number 4 and verse number 35, And the same day when the evening was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was. And if he gets on board your ship, you're going to have to take him like he is. You can't change him. Somebody say amen. And there were also with him other little ships. None of them, it don't say nowhere in your King James Bible that the other ships made it. The only one that we know made it is the one Jesus on board. And I'm glad that's why, that's proof enough I need him on board. Amen. And there arose a great storm of wind, the waves beating the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of sleep on a pillow. And they awake him and said to him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose, rebuked the wind, said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful? For how is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, said one another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the seas obey? See, sometimes we've got struggles that we need to train because we're going through a storm in our life. And God says, I want you all that struggling that you're doing. Nowhere in this Bible, y'all have heard me say it a dozen times or more, a hundred. Nowhere in this Bible can you find that they ever made it to the other side by rowing the boat. 
They never made it by rowing. They always made it by the wind of God putting in their sails or by the help of God bringing them to the other side. When a storm comes, you're going to make it in the storm, you're going to make it through the storm, and you're going to make it on the other side of the storm, not because of your strength, not because of your ability, not because of somebody you know. Hey man, hey man, but there is one that you know. He's going to make it. He's going to make a way when it don't seem no way. The boat's full of water and they're still sailing. That's miraculous. Amen. I, I don't care who you are. That's miraculous. But just remember this. He says, did he not say in the book of Isaiah? He said, fear thou not. I am with thee. And Then he said, be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. I don't know what storms you're going through in your life, but I know this, when the presence of the Lord's there, you see, he said, it is I, and it is I. His presence is enough. One time he says, it is written. That means his word is enough. Whatever he said, it's enough. Whatever he gives you, whatever words he speaks to in a storm, it's enough. Trust him with it. What, him showing up. He said, I, I'm with you. I'm going to strengthen you. So bring, he said, preacher, you don't understand the storm. I'll never forget, brother. This is where I thought Brother Frank was going. He just mentioned it. I'll never forget being in Welcome Home Baptist Church, sitting by that time saved, sitting on the second row with Mama and Papa. Papa wasn't nothing for him to stand up. Man, his, and a lot of times if he stood up, Mama would stand up, and one of them stand up, me and Michelle sitting there. Man, I'm telling you what, God's grooming us and growing us. And then it wasn't long after serving God, Reba Moe got cancer. I never heard her testify until she got cancer. And when she got cancer, she, she'd stand up every service. Whoa! I want to thank God for cancer. I've been closer to God since cancer. Oh, I mean brag on God. Would she not brag on God? She bragged on God not in spite of the cancer. She bragged on God for the cancer. And I mean she lived for a long time, saw grandbabies and everything. I just want to tell you right now, sometimes if you say, preacher, how could she do that? She had a storm. This was a struggle that she faced. But instead of letting it consume her life, instead of it letting her be centered on herself, she turned to the Savior. Hey, man, turned to him and traded her storm and left with strength. Amen. Their struggles with sorrows. Did you know that the first time, y'all should, should check this out. Go back with me, if you will, in the book of Genesis in chapter number 3. Look in Genesis in chapter number 3. It's a great place. Amen. So many. The first prophecy about Christ over here. Amen. But look in Genesis in chapter number 3 in your King James Bible in verse number 16. Sometimes we don't have struggles with sin, maybe as much as others. Sometimes we don't have struggles with storms at the current time. But I promise you everybody in here has had struggles with sorrows in your life. Maybe it's the sorrow of a wayward kid. Maybe it's the sorrow of somebody that's, that you've lost. We sorrow, but not as others who don't have hope because Christ is our hope. As he said, Christ is our hope. We're going to have sorrow, but he said, hey, don't be dismayed. Don't, don't, don't feel like, hey, don't feel like confused. Don't think God's forgot about you. Don't, don't look for some help other than look to the hills from whence coming the help. Lift my eyes to the hills. God's my helper and I shall not fear what man shall do unto me in Hebrews 13, 6. Look, look, look what the Bible said in Genesis 3 and verse number 16. The first time you find the word sorrow in your Bible is found here. 
And the woman, unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow shalt thou bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. He said there's going to be a sorrow in childbirth. And then there's going to be a sorrow in the core of your character. There's going to be a desire in you to rule your husband, to rule yourself. But you're going to have to realize you, you can't, he shall rule over you. Now your desire shall be to thy husband, but he shall rule. There's going to be a struggle that's constantly going to go on. Where did sorrow in childbirth and sorrow in care, where did that come about? The first time it's mentioned in the Bible. What's the result of? It's a result of sin. Because, so sorrow is a result of sin. Don't you think that if God, is he not called, is the Lord not called a man of sorrows in the book of Isaiah? He is a man. He came to bear our sorrows and to bear our sin. He wants you to bring your struggles that you have with your sorrow and walk away with strength. You say, preacher, I can't do it. I'm just going to be honest with you. I can't do it. I'm going to make my way through this storm. I'm going, I'm going to fight my own way. God ain't wanted to help me. I'm going to do it myself. Now, I wouldn't say that. I'm going to tell you, sometimes God lets you struggle a while, and I'm going to, you're going to run back to him then. There is sorrow in conception. There's sorrow in character. It's a result of sin. He became the man of sorrow to take away our sorrow. Here's what Isaiah 53 verse 3 says. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He, we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. I'm going to tell you what. You remember in Isaiah or in the book of Hebrews in chapter number 2 and, and the Bible says he is able to succor them which believe. Do you know what that word succor means? That means to come alongside and, and to guide, to relieve pressure, to put your arm. You ever seen somebody have a a broke leg, and somebody will get on the side of the broke leg, put their arm around them, and try to help them walk off the football field. Well, that's, what it, that's the word sucker, to relieve, to help. And you know what that word sucker also means? It means to show the way through the maze of life. There's so many twists and turns and so many sorrows that come with every twist and turn and we can't make it on our own. But here's what God does. He's a man of sorrows. He's always already came, gave his life. Hey man, he's already been, he's already went to Calvary. He's already bore your sin and shame. And so here's what he wants to do. He wants to come down where you're at in the midst of your struggle, put his arm around you, put your, hey man, put yours around him and he's going to guide you through the twist and turns of the maze that we call life. He's going to help you. He's going to relieve the pressure. He's going to sucker you. He's going to help you. All God wants you to do, you're going to have to do it. I can't make my wife do this. My wife can't make me do this. My struggles with my sin are mine. And I've got to bring them down to him and walk away with strength. My, my struggles with my sorrows are mine. I can try to be there for my wife. I can stand, try to stand in there and try to help her. But to be honest with you, I can't help her but so much. She's going to have to bring her sorrows and walk away with strength. My storms, I can be there for my, I can take the pail and dump the water out. I can do the best I can do. But ultimately, we're submitting ourselves one to another in the fear of God. Ultimately, it's him that's going to have to help us. Amen. You say, preacher, I don't know. I don't know. My biggest problem 
it is just myself, my sorry self. And see, sometimes we use that as an excuse. We'll say, well, you know, I'm, I'm just flesh. Preacher, I'm just flesh. Every one of us are flesh. He knows our frame, but we're but dust. Hey, he made us from dust, not from dirt, not from clay. He made us from dust. Nobody wants dust. You can sell dirt. It's worth something. Dust ain't worth nothing. And God took something that wasn't worth nothing and made something out of it. He loves you. He, he wants you to succeed. And you know what he said? Here's what Paul said in Romans 7, 23. But I see a law. My, his struggle was with himself. And my members warned against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity of the law of sin, which is in my members. He said, oh, wretched man that I am. You know what's happening? He's downloading the struggle with self because he's confessing. He said, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? That's what's happening. That's how it happens. He's downloading. He's hit the, he clicked download. Amen. He's put it over in the basket of the Lord. He's put it on his side. He's saying, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this, this flesh? Then he said in the next verse, he must have got some help. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So with in mind, I may serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. He said, I've got a struggle. I've got a battle. But then in chapter eight and verse number one, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. There's victory. And if there's no condemnation, there's no separation because Jesus took it for us. He was separated from God. He was separate. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, listen to me today. Oh, you say, preacher, I've got a struggle with self. We, we read it in there. You got to, the only way you have power over Satan, the only way you've got power over his flesh, over his world, is the blood of Jesus Christ. And said they overcame the dragon, the serpent, the devil. They overcame him, the, dirt, the dirty, low-down devil that wants to put things in your mind. It wants to make you try to trade your serving God for sin. That, that sorry low down devil that's wrecked homes and destroyed lives and puts things. Are y'all listening to me? You know what the Bible said? You can overcome him. How? Well, by the blood of the lamb. Got to be saved. Got to be washed in the blood. And by the word of their testimony. God said just brag on it. Hey, here's what happened. If you're going through a struggle of sin or struggle of sorrow or struggle of a storm or struggle with yourself and you go to bragging on God, the devil will think you so crazy he'll leave you alone for a little bit. He'll run down the road and mess with somebody else and that person's nuts. They still shouting and serving God. Just brag about what you can brag about. Well, I ain't got nothing to brag about. Well, your kids is healthy. I ain't got nothing to brag about. Well, you ain't bankrupt yet. I ain't got nothing to brag about. Well, you go to, you, you've got a Bible. You live in America. Hey, man, you thank God. Hallelujah. You got some kids that, that love on you. You say, preacher, you don't understand. Listen, I'm telling you, God wants you to bring all your struggles and walk away with strength. That's what he said in Isaiah, lastly, look in verse 10, our text, Isaiah 41, verse 10. He said, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. You know what he wants us to do? He wants us to trade our rags for his righteousness. The Bible says that you say, well, preacher, I'm pretty good folk, you know. You know some of the hardest people to win to the Lord are not 
drunkards and harlots and gamblers and that, they ain't hard to win the Lord. They know they're rotten. I was one of them. I know I'm. I knew I was lost. It didn't take much sin. It didn't take much seeing other people live for God. Didn't hear, didn't take much script. When I got into real scriptural preaching, heard a real message. When I, when I got to seeing how low down I was and how good God was, because a right, per, see, as a sinner, you don't really have a right perspective of nothing. Self is the king of your life. And that's what happens when you start trading serving God for sin. You try to put self back on the throne. God help. When you're out there in the world, you don't have a right perspective of yourself. The whole world revolves around you. But when you get saved, the whole world should revolve around him. You have a change of leadership. You're under new management. Hey, man, you have new desires. You know, you know what? You know what keeps uh I, I'm not the best runner in the world. I'm not the worst runner in the world. But I have a desire when my body is killing me and hurting and wanting to quit and pull a hamstring. I still want to do my best. I want to push myself because I have a desire to represent good. I want to I have a desire. You know what keeps a lot of people from serving God? They don't got no desire. They just lost their desire. They've let struggles and storms, self and sin, make them have no desire. Don't use that as an excuse. That ain't God doing that. That's the devil. That's you doing that. You know what we need to do? We need to trade. You say, preacher, I'm lost today. I, I need to be saved. God wants you. You say, preacher, I ain't that bad. And I know. They're the hardest people to win. I remember knocking on the door of a house one time. And, and I went to the, and invited them to church. Now, I'm not going to call their name because a lot of y'all know them. And she was a good lady. I mean, a, a sweet lady. It still has a reputation of being a sweet lady. And I knocked on and talked to him a little bit. He, he did some bulldozer work and I talked to her. And when I got done talking to her, here's what she said. I'm glad you came by, but I, I really don't need church. I don't really, I'm not that bad of a person. She said, all I do is once a year I go to Harris and I gamble a little bit. That's the biggest I do. I, I don't, never kill nobody. Never. You know what the Bible says? That on your best day of your best moment of the best portion of your life, Isaiah 64, 6 says, but we are all as an unclean thing. All our righteousness, that means all the good things you do are as filthy rags. We do all fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. That's what he said. The Bible tells us that everything, all of our righteousness, the Bible says there's none that doeth good, no, not one. There's none righteous, there's none that seeketh after God. When God looks at us and compares us to him, when you get saved, you have a rightful look at yourself. When you see God high and lifted up, you'll be like Isaiah. Woe is me. He'll be in his rightful place and I'll be in my rightful place. Are y'all with me? Trade your rags, trade them in today. And walk away with righteousness. God don't want you to walk around ragged as a sinner. Not, not, you know what you need? You need a wedding garment. You can't come to the wedding. There's going to be a wedding one day. 
Amen. The bride of Christ is going home to the groom. The groom's coming back to get us. He's going to call us away. We're going to be raptured up in the air. Amen. And everybody that's ready is going to go in. Have you repented? Have you called on the Lord? Have you tried? Hell's real. Hell is real and heaven's real. There is no end to hell. You don't, there's no annihilation. Don't listen to Jehovah Witnesses. Hell is real. It exists. The lake of fire is real. They're going to take hell and throw it. God's going to take hell and throw it in the lake of fire. You ever thought about the lake of fire? Said they's going, I've never, I've, they say, I've never seen it. They say a blue flame is hotter than a red flame. Everybody knows that. But they say that the hottest flame burns black. Can you imagine being in the blackness and the hottest flame that's ever been? That rich man wasn't there but just for moments and he's crying for just a moisture on the tip of his finger to touch his tongue. Just to give him a little bit of relief. The, the worm died not. The fire, it's not quenched. A, a place where torture goes on all the time. It's an eternity of torture. Man, I don't want that. You ain't got to go. God's made a way. He said, I'll make a trade with you. He was made sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. More the law entered that the offense might abound. Where was sin enters, the, where offense entered, sin abounded. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life. Because of grace, we can get his righteousness and enjoy eternal life. That's the order. You can't have it no other way. We're saved by grace through faith that none of us it's a gift of God nobody's good enough to go to heaven but everybody is bad enough to go to hell but ain't you glad Jesus saved you so amen he wants to take your right he wants to take your wickedness and make you worthy he wants to take your guilt and give you grace he wants to take the condemnation of the law and give you life God wants to take those who are hell bound and put them in his family and make them heaven bound. Here's what he said in Isaiah 41 and verse 10. Yea, I'll help you. I'll help thee. Yea, how's he going to help us? I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Who is the Lord Jesus? He's the son of the right hand. When Jesus took the blood to the mercy seat of heaven, come back, walked around for 40 days, Send it back on a cloud. You know what the Bible says? It says he sat down on the right hand of the Father. Works finished, he sat down. God sitting on his own right hand. Ain't that something? Sat down, that means work's done. All you have to do now is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead and thou shalt be saved. Whosoever shall call on him shall be saved. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. God said, I've gave you everything you need to be saved. All you got to do is respond when he speaks to your heart. Here's what he said. He said, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you when nobody can't help you, when you can't help yourself. He said, I'm going to uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Father, we love you today, and I want to say, Lord, I pray today.